You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC Good afternoon, Raleigh, and welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle, a student-run, student-scripted, and student-produced news show on 88.1 WKNC slash HD1. Raleigh, I am Nick Weaver. And I'm Marissa Jordan. Welcome to this week's episode of Eye on the Triangle. Recently, I sat down with Sam, the DJ for both kinds of radio, to talk about what it's like running a country and western show on WKNC, favorite, on, um, on his favorite artists, influences, and more. And that's coming up first. After that, we've got a sports recap for NC Sports and more, as well as predictions for the upcoming season provided by our newest contributor, Nick Dioli. Stay tuned. So, to start off today's interview, could you introduce yourself? Yes, my name is uh, Sam on the air. You know me as Big Sam, and I uh, host both kinds of radio uh, at WKNC. Awesome. So, um, kind of piggybacking off of that, can you tell me about your show? Sure. Um, both kinds of radio, uh, as we, as I always say, when uh, up top, it's uh, both kinds of music. It's from a uh, Blues Brothers movie joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's country and western. Um, typically, we stay in the waters of the 1920s up through the 1980s. Um, it originally was the 1970s, but as I was reminded, the 80s were like 30 years ago now. So that's kind of classic. Mm-hmm. So. And so every uh, Sunday from four to six, me and uh, my host, Benny Mack, come up here and we uh, play a good old country music for everybody. Awesome. I'm so glad that you mentioned the reference because I actually just got that (laughs) over Thanksgiving break. Yes. Like the music (laughs) we play, a lot of my references are also classic. So just kind of back on like the history of the show and Mm -hmm. like why you do it. Why did you want to start the show? Well, um, I guess I should back up. I've been working up at WKNC since 2003. I ran a show back then called Wash Behind Your Ears, which was indie rock and also the roots of indie rock. So you'd mix in some you know bands that were influences for some of today's, uh, today's back 2003 uh, music. That show I wrapped up around 2008 because I had just gotten married. We were, you know, in that nice honeymoon phase and buying a house and all those kinds of things. So it wasn't a lot of time to also focus on the radio show. So I kind of semi-retired. Um, but even during the, those years, I still wanted to, I had this idea of doing a classic country show. It always been a genre of music that I didn't know a lot about. And the more and more I dug into it, I realized just like how, how much was out there, how much great music I was missing out on, you know, st- sticking with like the indie rock and the hip hop and stuff like that. So I didn't want to come up here and not sound like I knew what I was doing. So I took a couple of years where I did a lot of research, a lot of stuff online, made a lot of Pandora stations, um, and just generally tried to educate myself on uh, country music from that era. And when I thought I had enough to go off of, um, I came up here and pitched it uh, to Jamie, and she said, go for it. And uh, it'll be May, Memorial Day this year will be eight years I've been doing the show. Yeah. It's yeah. a long time. <laughs> yeah. I, someone actually asked me, uh, I was on a podcast that we were talking about the show and they asked, you know, how long I've been doing the show. And I didn't know because I just mm-hmm. didn't think about it that way. And so I went back and looked at old emails and I was like, oh, wow, I've been doing this longer than I was doing my old show, which was kind of crazy to think about. So, yeah. 
So was that first show when you were an undergrad were you or a graduate student here? No, um, I'm a, what you call a community volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um, I got involved with the station back in 03 because um, I'm originally from Syracuse, New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's uh, a radio station up there called WJPZ. And during high school and this, during summer break and winter break when I was still in high school, I got to be friendly with someone up there. So I got some experience working on the radio. Fast forward to moving down here. Um, I was working, driving a truck here on campus and taking classes to, you know, not full time though. It, it wasn't really a plan quite yet, but I would listen to WKNC and I loved the station. It was mm-hmm. like the signal was strong. The music was always so varied. Um, the DJs had great personalities. So I came up here and talked to the then general manager, Jamie Proctor, kind of tried to sell myself a little bit. I was still college-ish age. I was, you know, 22, 23 years old and uh, got his blessing to come up and start working at the station. So I've never, I'm not a graduate, um, not a graduate student, but uh, I've worked at NC State in one department or another for 17 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I feel like everyone at WKNC kind of knows about community DJs, but Mm -hmm. it's not really kind of emphasized. So sure. I think a lot of, um, we're also interviewing a couple other specialty shows. So I think a lot of them are also community DJs. So it's kind of cool to get that um, perspective because, you know, most of us are students. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's still something where I'll walk in sometimes to the studio and I'll get some looks like you look a little old to be walking in a uh, college radio station. But uh, everyone here at WKNC throughout the years I've been here has always been like family. Like it's always mm-hmm. uh, you know good to see people out and people that have graduated over the years and, uh, and see how they're doing. So yeah, it's great. I love it up here. Also, I think it's great because it kind of brings diverse perspectives because I mean, let's be honest, most of us DJ indie rock here. So, sure. right. <laughs> but I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. No, I, I listen to station all the time. Mm-hmm. I love it. Moving on. So can you talk a little bit, little bit about the music that you play? I think you kind of touched a little bit on the history of country folk. Um, and then also the time frame, which was another one of my questions mm-hmm. and maybe talk about some significant artists too, from that time. Sure. Uh, I'll speak to what I can. Um, I got interested in country music from when Johnny Cash brought an album where he covered Nine Inch Nails Hurt. And I remember hearing that song on the radio when I was in high school and being just absolutely blown away by how beautiful it was, how sad it was, um, his take on that Nine Inch Nails song. And I was a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. You know, I grew up, you know, big into indie rock and, and metal and stuff like that. It kind of stuck with me. And I was like, you know, so then you go look into the rest of his catalog. You know, Johnny Cash has all these great songs. You know, you knew, mm-hmm. you knew a few of them, like, you know, Walk the Line and uh, Ring of Fire and stuff like that. But um, it always was in the back of my mind that I wanted to like know more about this type of music because being from up in upstate New York, not a lot of country on the radio. There was some, um, but uh, mostly it all missed me kind of coming up because I was so into other kinds of music. So once I was knew I was going to be wrapping up Wash Me On Your Ears, and I was always been thinking about classic country, and as, at the time I was listening to more and more, and just, you know, Johnny Cash was that gateway, and um, you start listening to other artists like, you know, Loretta Lynn and, you know, Waylon Jennings, and for a while I just was kind of on the outlaw country stuff. And then... Um, just other types of country started, you know, showing themselves to me, you know, like the, uh, you know, the older stuff, like the Jimmy Rogers and the Carter family, stuff like that, the real like rural sounding, mm-hmm. um, but just haunting and beautiful uh, songs, the big, big production of, you know, the late seventies with Ray Price. And then even lately, I was, I, when I first started the show, I was very firm, like 1979 and we're out. I'm not mm-hmm. jumping jump into the eighties, but uh, as I've, you know, kept, looking into music and realizing that, yeah, 1984 was a long time ago. I've become more appreciative of that 80s sound where there's a little bit more of a production, a little bit more of a sheen to the music itself, mm-hmm. but it's that country sound is still there. Yeah. Um, 
And the, the, in general, the thing about country music that I always tell people that really, really uh, spoke to me is how just unabashedly genuine it all sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that they're singing about, it crosses, I don't care who you are, how old you are. Uh, it'll still resonate with you. These songs that are, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. I was thinking of a question while you were talking, and I think you probably answered it. Is that what really appeals to you about country music? Is that emotion? It is. It is. And it's, you know, it gets, country music kind of gets a bad rap from people that think they don't like country music. That, oh, it's, you know, it's songs about, you know, losing your dog and someone stole your truck and stuff like that. But there's these really common themes in the music about, you know, love and loss and, you know, joy. Some of the music is just so joyful and it's not trying to hide itself because it's afraid of revealing those feelings. It's really a way to like put those out there very plainly, which, you know, makes the audience a lot bigger, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And can get those messages, those universal messages about loss and about love and about, you know, um, you know, trying to navigate this world and and find a a little, your little place in it. Uh, So that's, that's what really appeals to me about country music. Okay. So moving on to kind of like how you do the show um, and how you run it. How do you find and curate music for this show? Since it's kind of a very specific time frame, it is. Um, typically, what I do is during the week uh, when I'm at work, I usually have Spotify open or something like that, or I'll, I'll create a radio station on there, or just looking for new artists. There's also a handful of like uh, music blogs that I go and uh, uh, peruse and uh, check out. There's a guy named his name is Casey, but his blog's name is Any Major Dude, and he was his post about the history of country music, where it was all downloadable CDRs going through like from the 1920s all the way up through the 90s. That was how I really got the first big shot and injection of music for when I first started the show um, almost eight years ago. And then, so I just kind of keep all that on a hard drive. Um, You know, I got got my Spotify that I keep a lot of playlists on. And then uh, I also own probably an obnoxious amount of records. Um, My my wife might have something to say about that. But uh, yeah, so I'll go down to like a a local record store, like Nice Price, uh, Mm -hmm. School Kids, something like that. And just go look through and, you know, there's lots of great compilations that have shown these new artists to me. And then I go down that path. I go, oh, well, who were these guys or, you know, who was she? Um, and then um, another really cool resource and for people that maybe aren't into country music that would want to know how to really get hooked by it. There's a podcast called Cocaine and Rhinestones that came out last year, uh, hosted by Tyler Mann Co., where he just breaks down in every episode a, a little story about country music and just digs deep and it's fascinating and it's dark sometimes mm-hmm. and it's funny sometimes. Um, so he's another one because then he'll mention just these names, Google the name and figure out who this, whose producer was, who the studio guitarist was, what albums they play on, stuff like that. And then for the actual day of the show, I don't do playlists. I just kind of have everything at my fingertips and I walk up in the studio and figure out maybe I'll know what the first song is I want to play that day. And then just whatever that sound and that vibe is feeling like that's what leads me to the next one or the next one. I I've tried to write down a playlist and then I always just throw it away, you know, mm-hmm. within the first 15 minutes. So, yeah, I think that's what um, maybe DJs and especially listeners don't understand about having a specialty show. I've done um, one for kind of on and off. It's probably similar to your original one where I do like mm-hmm. indie oldies. Yeah, sure. Um, so it, it is harder to find that music and also, like get the message across. Cause I'll do a lot of talking about like the history of right. like, especially like punk rock stuff like that. So do you do kind of things like that too? Yeah, I try to, um, it's kind of ties in with like my Instagram page mm-hmm. and Facebook page. I try to like, let people know, you know, whose birthdays are, are out there and, and stuff like that. And being able to speak on the music and, you know, this studio musician play also on this next album, mm-hmm. it's, we're going to spin here, uh, stuff like that. And, uh, I, I really hope that like, 
it's I always say it when I'm on the air, but it's a pleasure to do the show because I really enjoy the music so much and meeting people that have told me, you know, I didn't think I liked country music until I you know heard the show and started hearing these songs and like it opened my eyes to like this whole other, you know, I'll, I'll go out and do live events sometimes and I'll spin records at like a bar or mm-hmm. something like that. And uh, hearing that from people is is awesome. And, and hearing how people enjoy like the fact that we include uh, the prisoner letters and phone calls that mm-hmm. we get at the end of every show and plan their requests. And uh, so it just, it makes it a, a really like colorful experience. And, uh, and I think that comes through over the air. You may have touched on this already, but who are some of your favorite artists and or biggest inspirations in your show? Hmm, that's a great question. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of Dolly Parton. I picked up her box set a couple of years ago and didn't really play a ton of stuff other than the stuff I was already kind of familiar with. But I've been taking a bit of a deeper dive into her lately. Well, I, I have been listening to a lot more, um, like I said, since I've kind of loosened up on the format and started including these 80s artists. Um mm-hmm. I've uh, been listening to a lot more like uh, Clint Black, you know, that's even like 80s, early 90s ish. Uh, but you're still getting that, you know, that that sound is still there, that that country sound that's, you know, it, it kind of goes all the way back through the 60s and 50s and stuff like that. It's hard to think of artists on the spot because people it always is. ask me, they're like, what do you play on your like 80s show? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But if, if I was up here playing right yeah. now, I'd be like, oh, well, this and that and this and, and that and the next one. But yeah. And there's, there's modern artists that have, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll mix in a, a new release if I'm particularly excited about it. Um, like John Howie Jr. just put out a record uh, last year. It's one of my favorite records of the year, like mm-hmm. top 10 of uh, any genre, really. And it, that's, that sound is still there. That, it's, those stories are still being told, you know, then. And man, you want to talk about that. There's some songs on that record that will make you tear up. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's really intense and you can really get the, the, the genuine feeling that's coming across in those songs. So. Do you know anything about your audience? Is it like you'd mentioned prisoners? Is there like a specific audience that tunes in regularly? That's a good question. Um, I personally feel that this is why, but I'm not, I'm not, you know, I can't speak to it for sure. I think that a lot of people tune into the show and they don't necessarily want to call up and make requests mm-hmm. because they're in it to hear what I'm going to do. Um, I certainly feel that way about a lot of the radio sh- you know, programs I listen to. You know, I'm not going to necessarily call up and buggy to play one particular song. I'm kind of mm-hmm. just interested to see what's coming up next. So we do have uh, folks that are uh, on the cell block, as we say, uh, behind the walls, uh, either write in letters or call us um, with that phone caller. We got to hit five to accept mm-hmm. the, the charges. And so there's that. But then I'm always surprised at when I go out and do live events, the kind of people that are out there, a lot of young people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'll get the the guys that they walk into the bar and they don't really look like they're a little out of place looking. Yeah. And they're like, I came down here for one reason. That was to hear you play records because I love the show so much. You know, some wow. middle aged you know, people and, you know, it kind of crosses all the um, all the lines. Those folks grew up on that kind of music. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's a lot of people that are you know younger than me that you know are just getting into it. Um, either from listening to the show or just having these more modern artists like your Sturgill Simpsons and your uh, Casey Musgraves that are putting out this music that really has that really reaches back to that traditional country sound. And then that's kind of being their gateway to go back and listen to, uh, you know, Patsy Klein records or something mm-hmm. like that. What is it like running a longtime specialty show like this? You mentioned eight years. That's a long time. To- it's a long time. <laughs> um, I will I will give a big shout out to my co-host, uh, Benny Mack, who's also a Cansey alum. I don't think that if I had uh, ran into him and got him to want to help me out, I'd be mm-hmm. able to still do the show. Because even when I was you know younger-ish, I was still older than a lot of the people here, but it was before I had got married and it was before I had, you know, I got a, 
almost seven year old and a four year old at home. And it's tough to carve out a couple hours to come up here and, and, and do your hobby. So I've been really, really fortunate to have uh, someone else that really shares the love for the music is familiar with the studio. And, you know, I can kind of reach out to and be like, Hey, we're going to the beach for a week. Is there any way you can cover the show for me? And so without Benny Mac, I'm pretty sure that the show probably would have fizzled out. It's all these new responsibilities have, have come about. And then just finding time to find new stuff I get excited about. If I was playing the same, you know, 120 songs and just mixing them up every week, I think I would get bored and I think the audience would get bored. It's nice to keep, you know, some time during the week to do those, you know, look, looking at those blogs, going down and flipping through the, the records and kind of seeing what's out there. And I'm um, just trying to keep it fresh from a genre where a lot of the people I play aren't with us anymore. So, but it still never ceases to amaze me that I just keep finding these new artists that I didn't know anything about and listening to their music and just getting blown away by it. If there's one thing that you wanted the Raleigh community to know about your show, what would it be? That's a good question. I guess that I wish that I was on the air that day too, when we were doing women's basketball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we do, That's because of our time slot. Mm-hmm. We do get preempted quite a bit. I guess I've heard from a couple people over the years, not many, that they kind of question doing the cell block Mm -hmm. Um, because these are people that are locked up, sometimes locked up for bad stuff. But what I always try to tell them is that the relationship I have with the folks that are calling up or writing in letters um, is just about the music. I'm not here to give any kind of soapbox about the criminal justice system or or what they did in the past, why they're locked up, why they're on death row. What it is, is it's about the music. And I had a guy write a letter in probably going on like three years ago and it was like a three-page long letter, and he just broke down exactly how how they listen to WKNZ, what it means to them, and like you could read the words and you could picture what he was talking about about you know them using the little bit of money they get to go down to the store and buy these little transistor radios with an earbud, and just talked about walking around the yard and listening to the show and you know waiting all week long wow. um, to for four o'clock on Sunday to roll around. And to be able to hear two hours of music that, you know, a lot of these guys are middle aged, you know, and grew up when that stuff was on the radio or they grew up and their dad always played it in the car for them or, you know, what, what have you. So I understand the argument that I've heard about that, about, you know, oh, these are bad people. Oh, they're locked up for a reason. And I get that. But like, there's no reason to deprive somebody of a little bit of joy. So mm-hmm. if, they, if me playing their request, you know, gives them a little bit of something and it's something they look forward to all week, then I'm going to do that. Two more last quick things. One, can you remind our listeners of your time slot? Sure. We are on every Sunday from 4 to 6 p.m. when we're not preempted by uh, uh, Wolfpack Sports when that runs. But hopefully, I don't know if I can talk about any changes, so I won't. Hopefully, there's going to be a solution coming for at least some of the people uh, to be able to hear the program more often when that happens. Awesome. And so I was thinking, because we're doing a couple of these interviews and to have like a transition, maybe mm-hmm. we could have a few song recommendations so people who maybe haven't caught the show can get a taste of what the show sounds like. Yeah. Just some recommendations of music. All right. Yeah, I got a couple. This one here I just recently was made aware of by John Howie Jr. actually put mm-hmm. it up on his Facebook page and uh, I thought the song was awesome. It's not country in the strictest sense, but it's got that country sound. It's got that pedal steel. It's a song called No Regrets. It's by the Walker Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really great, catchy song. I got in my, I, he put it on his Facebook page. I played it and it was in my head for like three days. Mm-hmm. Um, just got great baritone vocals and, and a hook that will just stay with you. If you are into songs that tell a story, I would recommend checking out Tom T. Hall. Uh, he's got a lot of songs that it, it's, it's like listening to someone tell you a, a short story. Um, but he's got this one beautiful song called that's how I got to Memphis. Mm -hmm. Um, it's been covered by everybody. 
Um, but it's, it's a beautiful song about love and regret and, and, um, those kind of themes. And, and again, it's a great hook on it. Uh, and it's, it's been covered by just about everybody. I've been getting into, we're getting into, uh, the eighties. I've been getting into, uh, the Judds, um, great, uh, mother and daughter duo. They were, uh, spotlighted on an episode of cooking and rhinestones. That was just wild. Some of the stuff <laughs> we found out about that dynamic. Uh, but I'll let you download that podcast uh, and check it out on your own but their their classic song mama he's crazy is great it's one of their bigger hits awesome well thank you so much for coming in today sure thanks for having me for your precious time forgive me if i start to cry that's how i got to memphis 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 What's up, Wolfpack Nation? I'm Nicholas Dealey on Eye of the Triangle. Today's April 2nd, 2019, and today we have a few things to cover in the wide world of sports. This might be one of the busiest times in sports of the year. My head is spinning right now of what is going on. We finally have made it. The Final Four is set and ready to go. We've got Texas Tech out of the Big 12 taking on Tom Izzo and the Michigan State Spartans. Out of the Big Ten. And then we have Virginia out of the ACC taking on the Auburn Tigers out of the SEC. And every time when the Final Four is set, the boys of summer have already begun playing on the diamond. That's right. You heard me. Get the peanuts and hot dogs ready. Baseball is back. I'll be breaking down what I believe are the top five signings of the offseason and how they will impact the organizations they sign with. And I will be giving my predictions of the winners in each division, wildcard teams, and World Series matchup. I will also catch you up on your Wolfpack sports with the postseasons for the basketball teams and the extremely hot start for the baseball team. We've got a lot to cover. There's no time to lose. So let's get started. So the Final Four is set, and it really not might not be what we were expecting. I mean, it started off so chalky, meaning that there were n- not too many upsets, and a lot of the games were pretty predictable. But all of a sudden, in the Sweet 16 and in the Elite 8, the top schools just dropped like flies. No Kobe White out of the U- for the UNC Tar Heels, no Zion Williamson and the Blue- Duke Blue Devils. No Coach Cal and the Kentucky Wildcats, and no Rui Hachimura and the Gonzaga Bulldogs. But we do have Kyle Guy and the Virginia Cavaliers, a team who a lot of people thought would make the Final Four and did. And they are playing the Auburn Tigers. Now both teams are very exciting to watch, as us Wolfpack Nation knows how exciting they can be considering we played both last season. We did beat Auburn, 
but we also did lose to Virginia in overtime. So I'm very excited to see this matchup. I will say that I'm impressed with Auburn and how they got to where they are now. They by far had one of the most difficult slate of teams to get through to the Final Four by beating Kansas, UNC, and their rivals in the SEC, Kentucky. And what is really impressive is that they beat UNC and Kentucky without their star player, Chuma Okiki, after tearing his ACL during the UNC game. Big time prayers for him to have a speedy recovery. So listen, I'm really digging the hype. I love seeing Charles Barkley. I love when he's excited with his balloons and the stuffed tiger on the CBS crew. It's really something to see. But to be honest with you, I believe that Virginia does have something to prove this year because of what happened last year. And by being the first one seed to lose to a 16 seed, they still got that awful taste in their mouth. So I think this is the year to put that in the rearview mirror and go ahead and win this whole thing. Then we also have Texas Tech and Michigan State. Both teams really impressive wins by upsetting both one seeds, Duke and Gonzaga. Very impressive for both. I think Tom Izzo has been here before, and I think the Spartans will outcoach the Red Raiders and advance to the championship. All right, so that's what's going on in college basketball. Now we're going to switch over to You Know It, and boy, have I been waiting for this. Baseball fans, we have been waiting patiently in the cold, cold winter, but our beloved boys of summer are back. That's right. Is your corn popped? Are you cracking away at those peanuts? Accidentally put too much mustard on that $10 hot dog and sipping on that $8 cool drink? Well, good, because I know I will be. Guys, I love it. Baseball is back, and man, it has been a wild winter with free agents and contract extensions. First, we got Bryce Harper, signing with the Phillies 13 years, $330 million. Then we had Manny Machado, signing with the Padres 10 years, $300 million. Then. Probably the best baseball player playing today. We have Mike Trout on an unexpected contract extension, 12 years, $430 million. With this contract, he is the highest paid American sports athlete in history. We also got Alex Bregman signing six years, $100 million extension with the Astros. And then we have Nolan Arenado signing with the Rockies, eight years, $260 million. So with that said, I believe that all the teams are going to improve with their star players in years to come. I think some will have immediate effects. Definitely Bryce Harper and the Phillies, since the Phillies got snubbed out of the playoffs last year. But I think Bryce will go ahead and take Philadelphia to the playoffs. I think some will stay the same and continue to roll with winning, like the Astros and the Rockies. And some will take some time. See, the Padres and the Angels, they got their guys. Now they have the guys to build around them. Then there are teams like the Padres and the Angels. They signed their guys. Now it's time to build around them. With that being said, here are my predictions for the 2019 MLB season. In the National League, I've got the Phillies out of the East, Brewers out of the Central, and the Rockies out of the West. And wildcard teams, I've got the Braves and the Cubs. In the American League, I've got the Yankees out of the East, Indians out of the Central, and the Astros out of the West. And my wildcard teams, 
I got the A's and the Red Sox. But in the end, only one can win the 2019 World Series. I believe that the Brewers, the Milwaukee Brewers, Christian Yelich, will go on to beat the New York Yankees in six games. Well, guys, I couldn't love it more that baseball's back. It is one of my favorite sports. It, actually, you know what? It is my favorite sport. It's back. Spring is in the air. I couldn't love it more. All right, Wolfpack Nation, time to wrap things up with your local sports at NC State. It was a long basketball season for the Wolfpack. Not what we were hoping for for the men's team, though. I'm sure everyone felt like I did that the men's team deserved to make the tournament, but didn't. But the team did make the NIT, and it had a pretty good run until losing to Lipscomb in the quarterfinals. As for the women's, though, a very impressive season, making the tournament and going to the Sweet 16 for the second year in a row. But they would fall to the Iowa Hawkeyes. But nonetheless, they had a really great season, made Wolfpack Nation proud. As for the baseball team, they are off to one of the hottest starts in program history, being 27-2, ranking number 3 in the USA Today's Coaches Poll. Well, guys, that's my time here. That's the show. Listen next time, and we'll talk about the winners of the NCAA tournament, the latest notable signings of the NFL, and the NBA playoffs will be underway. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you joining us on this beautiful Tuesday evening, assuming that you've been listening to this live. As always, if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything that made you think, let us know at publicaffairs at wknc.org. And feel free to reach out to us if you're a student who would like to join our program. This has been Eye on the Triangle. Thanks for listening to our show. And be sure to check out our blog at wknc-eot.tumblr.com. Our intro music for today's show and every other show was Connie by L1011. You can catch another episode of Eye on the Triangle next week, Tuesday, April 16th from 6 to 7 p.m. And stay tuned for your usual programming of amazing indie music, and we'll see you all next time. Whether you like waltzing across Texas with your partner, heading up the hill to the Pine State Honky Tonk, or you know the nightlife ain't no good life, but it's your life, you can do it all with both kinds radio. Aaron, every Sunday from 4 to 6 p.m., your host, Big Sam, plays all the golden country and western classics from the 1920s up through the 1970s. Please join us to boogie on the sawdust floor, drop a tear in your beer, and share in that high, lonesome sound of both kinds radio.